You know, I was kind of looking forward to the drums still being up here. Chris. Um, the first verse of the Isaiah passage is kind of odd. The word of God that Isaiah saw concerning. The word that Isaiah saw. We usually don't see the word. We hear it. We might say it. But we don't see it. The word that Isaiah saw. Prophets see. They have these visions. They have these dreams. And they see what God wants. You know, um, they, they paint a picture. They paint a picture of what justice looks like. You know, Nathan goes to David uh, after David has killed, had Uriah killed and takes Bathsheba. And Nathan goes to David and says, there was once a rich man who took a poor man's sheep and killed it and served it to his guests. He paints a picture of what David's crime and injustice looks like. When the prophets want to talk about the faithlessness of Israel, they talk about a bad marriage, an unfaithful marriage, and describe an unfaithful marriage. When they want to talk about the joy of the day of the Lord, they paint a picture of, of a great banquet, you know, and can you see the great foods and all the rich foods and all the desserts? Can you see the herring? Can you see the shrimp? Can you see the roast beef? Can you see the ham? Can you see the, the, the turkey? Can you see the dressing? Can you see the rich wines, the red and the white, but not rosé? Yeah. Can, you, can you see all of that? That's what the day of the Lord will be like. And everybody will be seated at the table. They paint a picture of what it is. You know, and we have our prophets throughout history. Martin Luther King was a prophet. He painted pictures of what integration would look like. I have a dream that one day on the red clay of Georgia children of former slaves and children of former slave owners will play together. Can you see them kneeling on the red clay? When he wanted to paint a picture of what racism looked like, they strategized the march in Birmingham with children and teenagers and the dogs were turned loose on them and the fire hoses were turned on. This is what racism looks like. Do you get a picture of it now? Jesus was a prophet. He painted pictures. The kingdom of God is like a woman baking bread. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Can you see the mustard seed growing? The kingdom of God is like a great catch of fish. Can you see all the fish brought in for the kingdom of God? Jesus himself 
is a vision, is a picture. What does forgiveness look like? Do you see Jesus forgiving the woman? Do you see Jesus on the cross forgiving? That's what forgiveness looks like. What does mercy look like? Do you see Jesus feeding the hungry? That's what it looks like. Prophets paint a picture. The word of God that Isaiah saw. The head usher in Middletown told me once that he never listened to my sermons. I was really glad when he said that. He said, you know, I never listen to your sermons until you say, it is like. Because then I know I'm going to get a picture of what it looks like. You're going to show me what love looks like. You're going to show me what compassion looks like. So I just started beginning my sermons with, it is like. So he'd have to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. So Isaiah paints a picture. The people are in exile. You know, when you're in exile, you're away from your native land. You're in a land where your language is not spoken, where your culture is not practiced, where your foods are, are not eaten, where people have different habits different ways of dressing. In a way, you feel like you're in the darkness. You're just out of whack. You don't fit in. You don't belong. It's lonely. It's sad. They're in exile. They're down. And Isaiah paints a picture of what hope looks like. Jerusalem that has been destroyed is rebuilt and it's on top of a hill and it's the highest hill and it's a city above all other cities. Can you see it? Can you see it up there? And people from all the world will be streaming to it. All nations, all continents, black and white, African and North American and Asian, can you see it? Can you see them going up, up the hill, in their different dress, with their different languages, speaking French and German and Spanish and Chinese? Can you hear it? They're going up the hill to learn to walk in the ways of God. To walk with forgiveness and mercy. To walk with patience. And they're going to ask God to arbitrate their issues. They're going to talk to each other. And they're going to seek to resolve their differences. Can you see people doing that? Sitting down at the table together. And they're going to leave that mountain. And they're going to go back to their countries and to their villages. And they're going to beat their swords into plowshares. They're going to take what is destructive that they've been working on and they're going to convert it 
to that which nurtures and causes growth? Can you see them changing their factories of war to plowshares that cause growth and food? Can you see them moving from scarcity to abundance, from fear to community? That's the picture that Isaiah sees. It's God's vision. It's what God has in mind for the future. It's God's hope for the people. (laughs) Now, if somebody talks to me about the nations getting together at the same table and there being discussion and arbitration, that the nations even get together, that they begin to walk in ways of love and mercy, that they begin to convert from ways of destruction to ways of creation, I'm going to say that's an impossible vision. And I think, my gosh, if that's true, if that's God's hope, we really do need a Savior. We really do need a Messiah to come and help us. We cannot do that alone. We've shown that we cannot do it alone. We need help. And we need each other. If we take this vision of Isaiah seriously, if we say, okay, I'm going to adopt God's vision. I'm going to adopt this vision of moving from exile to home. I'm going to adopt this vision of converting that which is destructive to that which is creative. That's a lot of hard work. It is hard work to adopt this vision that God has. It doesn't just happen. Destruction is easy. It's easy to knock this down. It's easy to knock those bells around. It takes a little more work to put it up to put the tables up. It's easy to break a window. It's more work to replace that window and repair it and do all that putty work. It's easy to knock a house down. It's hard to build one. It's easy to destroy a relationship. It's hard to create one. It's effort. okay, the Mr. Rogers movie is out. Mr. Rogers, I think, was, among other things, a prophet. He painted a picture of what a neighbor looked like. He painted a picture of what a neighborhood looked like. He was a nice guy. But I think he was also very demanding for his vision of what a neighbor is and what a neighborhood is, is demanding. 
It takes an effort. If you haven't seen the movie, you should. It's the story of a writer named Lloyd Vogel who, goes, um, who is assigned to interview uh, Mr. Rogers for a short magazine article. Lloyd Vogel is, I would say, a man in exile. He, um, he does not get along with his father at all. He uh, really doesn't get along with his sister. I, I don't see him as a very good husband in the movie when it starts. Uh, he's very focused on himself. He's very cynical. Uh, he writes scathing articles. He's pretty self-righteous. And he cannot understand why he's given this job of writing about this children's entertainer. And he goes. And he meets Mr. Rogers. And he realizes that there's more to him than meets the eye. And as he interviews Mr. Rogers, and as he watches the show being produced, he realizes there's a lot deeper stuff going on. And the movie becomes his struggle to move from exile, to move from weapons of destruction, the cynicism, the sarcasm, the anger, the hurt, the isolation, to move from those weapons of destruction, of exile, to the things of peace. And there are parts of that movie that I'm really tense for as he moves from destruction to creativity as he wrestles with it and knows the hard work that this is going to take and the effort it requires to beat his swords into plowshares. It's incremental work. He does it. But I realize and he realizes that to be a neighbor and to live in a neighborhood to be a neighbor to your spouse, to be a neighbor to your children, to be a neighbor at work, to be a neighbor at church, to be a neighbor in your neighborhood is demanding. And we can't do it alone. We need the help of our neighbors, and we need the help of God. This is God's vision, actually. It's that we be neighbors in a neighborhood. Christmas is about visions. You know, visions of sugar, sugar plums dancing in our heads. Our granddaughter has a vision of a baby alive that's potty trained. But we're not children. You know, we're adults. And God gives us a vision 
that involves children because we're neighbors to our children and they're our neighbors. But God gives us a vision and God says, walk in the light of that vision. Don't lose that vision among other things. Don't lose that vision for something that's easy. Walk in the light, not sit in the light and do nothing. Don't sprint to the light and think it's easy, but walk in the light one step at a time toward this vision where people are together and people are beating their destructive tendencies into creation. God has a vision. God has a yearning. May we walk into that this Advent and this Christmas. May it be so.